Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. This week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Visit audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, from recaps with Mish and Zach, it's Mish and Zach. Hello. 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 <laughs> Look, I was so worried I was going to get that wrong, and then I mispronounced Mish the second time there. I actually said Miss, and therefore I did miss the intro. So there you go. It happens. It's fine. It's fine. It so happens. I just, just want to flag that because otherwise people will tweet in and make fun of me. So I've done it myself. Yeah. All my one fan is going to be real pissy with you. <laughs> oh, that one They're going to be real mad. That uh, one fan's going to come after you, Warnicky. Oh, no. <laughs> and trust me, I've seen some of his DMs. He is weird. <laughs> yeah, he's oh, no. genuinely, yeah, he's pretty fucking weird. <laughs> he's a weird unit, Dave. Oh no, yeah. well, and super protective. I apologise in <laughs> advance. I'm so sorry to you, Mister Weirdo. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But thank you so much for joining me again uh, on Book Cheat. Appreciate you being back last time. You're on the show. You both of you had basically just started. You a few episodes into your podcast mm-hmm. recaps, where you were yep. recapping the first season of Master Chef Australia, which would which was broadcast about a decade ago. And <laughs> um, I think in the last week or so, you've just finished that series. Yes, we did, Dave. We did, it, yep. it was um, it was uh, we took a little bit of time off because <laughs> we didn't have enough listeners to warrant being loyal to them. <laughs> To be honest, we had a surprisingly high amount considering how horribly niche of a topic it was. We did Absolutely. it for four people and we had more than that. Uh, we had like a surprising amount, um, but we also had to watch... Uh, three hours of MasterChef Australia season one a week. Uh, I was so in a different crazy. country and yeah. it just sort of petered out for a little bit. Um, and considering I- how many episodes of that show there are, when Zach was like, oh, Mish, I'm going to be heading overseas for a while. Um, it kind of like, I don't know what we're going to do about this, man, but I think that we're going to have to take a little bit of a break. Considering how much MasterChef we'd watched at that point and how insane we were going, we were, I was just like, oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> That's fine. Oh no, a break. Oh damn. Okay, how long was it? Three months? Oh, two. 
Oh, okay. Well, let's go three. <laughs> let's just go three, I reckon. Just, you know, it, it nice was, little um, buffer. It was too much MasterChef to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was too I don't much. Know if you, I don't know if you know this, but three hours of MasterChef, especially MasterChef that was made in 2009, oh that's God. actually too much MasterChef. Well, having said all that, is there plans for a, a second season, another show to be recapped? Well, not a second season, but uh, we are going to announce a whole new concept. But it is a recap podcast, isn't it? It is a recap podcast. Yeah, but just- yeah it's like a review-based podcast. We can say that, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no reason for us not telling anyone. It's not like this is a show yeah. with Channel 10. <laughs> no, yeah. no one's telling us we can't tell you. You are under embargo. just decided. <laughs> We're under embargo from us. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> because we, <laughs> the people that upload the podcast onto Podbean, have said yeah. we cannot tell you yet. Yeah. Yeah, we really want to keep those 12 listeners quivering with anticipation. But if you fo- follow us on at Mish and Zach, yeah. you'll, there will be an announcement soon. Oh, that is, that's, a, that's a good sizzle. Yeah. Thank you. That was the first Thank time you. Zach's um, promoted that Instagram handle as well, and you did so well. Thank oh. you so much. You're welcome. Got you did so good. A lot of hot scoops on book sheets. So thank you so much for coming on to promote the, the Instagram handle for the first no ever time. No worries. <laughs> this is the hot scoop It's a big exclusive. one. Yeah. Yeah. You could be one of the first 10 <laughs> listeners. Oh, no, whoa. The first 10. <laughs> so I am looking forward to that. You guys are a great combo together and it's a lot of fun hearing you on that show. And thank you so much for being back on my show. Uh, have you been reading anything? I mean, have you had any time... When you're not watching MasterChef season one from 2009, is there anything left? I read Lolita. Oh, Ooh. fantastic. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'd constantly read like the first half of it and then put it down and stopped and then read the, f- like I've been doing that for years, um, which you can imagine has been very disturbing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, know. I mean, the first half has the most disturbing bits. So, yeah, so mm. I just kept – well, and I think one of the reasons I stopped the first few times was it got a bit disturbing and I was like, I think I need to read something lighter. Um, but, I mean, for all its uh, really problematic subject matter, it is a fucking brilliant book. <laughs> like, it's so well written. But I read that and I've just picked up like two days ago um, a book I was gifted, I think Christmas wow. last year, um, called She is Fierce and it's a collection of poetry written by women. Uh, throughout time yeah and it's really really interesting it's really good oh fantastic yeah that's what uh, i'm reading at the moment how about you zach have you been reading anything well currently i'm i'm reading the uh the b movie script on instagram live (laughs) as part of my comedy group auntie donna Um, i saw you promote (laughs) that so let's just get this straight you posted saying i'm in charge of the instagram this week uh so Whatever gets the most likes in the comments, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> so someone has said, can you please read the B-movie script? And yes. you're just doing it word, word for word over multiple nights? Yes. Yes. Um, so I was hoping for someone to go, post a silly picture or um, <laughs> post, post, uh, post a, a, an embarrassing photo of you, in your, in your, when you're an awkward teenager. Um, but instead, someone has asked me uh, for a very labour and time intensive thing, which is to read the entire B movie script. Um, it takes me about 
half an hour to get through um, to get through about 10 minutes of film because of all the big print. Um, so it's going to take me five nights. Uh, <laughs> and how many nights, how, how long have you got to go? I did my first night tonight and when we recorded this, I don't know when this is coming out, but I did my first night tonight and then there's another four Oh, fantastic. Four well, this nights is coming to out uh, tomorrow, so by the time this comes out, you'll have four nights. I'm sure you'll be able to catch up on the plot of B-Movie. Absolutely. I think I'm doing them around the afternoon, just when I find a free half hour. Uh, but yeah, when you hear this, there's, there's going to be yeah probably four, four to go, I'd say, maybe three. So get on board. I don't know why I'm promoting this. <laughs> you do so much stuff and that's the thing you promote. <laughs> Oh, I love no. it. I was just thinking that. I'm like, of all of your successes, there's so many. You're so good. That is Thank what you. you chose to speak about. This is why my career will plateau because I'm not good at self-promotion. <laughs> because I have an opportunity. I, I go, you know what? I've got a really funny friend. Uh, I've worked with her a number of times. I think we've got a good dynamic. I reckon it's about time I branch off and we do something together. Um, I, I, I demonstrate to people that I'm not just a character in a sketch group. And that thing we do is recap a show that screened in one country 10 years ago. I don't think I've got much more than a plateau in front of me if I keep making decisions like this. <laughs> I'm also reading The Happiness Trap um, because it's helping me with some of my emotional problems. Anyway, next up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for coming back. Now, last time you were on the show, we talked about Long Day's Journey Into Night, the Eugene O'Neill play, which I got you on because you are actors. You met at drama school. Mm. You're real theatre types. (laughs) And I thought I'd bring you back for another classic play, and that is Oscar Wilde's the importance of being earnest. Mm. Amazing. Which I didn't realise. Very this, but, good. But full title is The Importance of Being Earnest, a trivial comedy for serious people. Great That's title. A great I didn't title. know that either. It's a great title. Great, great title. Now, in your, uh, your time in the theatre and as actors, have you had much to do with The Importance of Being Earnest? Um, I read it uh, in high school, I think. Or that kind of weird gap. No, maybe that weird gap between high school and university. And then I'm so sure that people at uni did scenes from it. I would have definitely seen some of that. Um, And I did see a live version of it at Melbourne Theatre Company. Um, Couldn't tell you who was in it. Um, (laughs) Right. uh, For for legal reasons, you shouldn't tell us who's in it? I just, I don't know why, but I feel uncomfortable doing that. Okay, okay. Well, we yeah. won't pry. We won't pry yeah, there. Yeah, and I don't, I don't really want to think about it too much, about why I feel that way. So I'm just not going to say who was in it. Um, anyway, I saw it at the MTC a few years ago with my mum, um, and it was pretty good. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a great, it's a fucking great play. Fantastic. <clears throat> well, how about you, Zach? Have you had anything to do with the play over the years? Um, I saw the same production as uh, Mish at the MTC, which was very, very good. Um, and everyone went. Everyone was so excited about that show. But I can't so remember who was in it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard just... to get a ticket. And every time I think, who was it? Why was it that we went and saw that? There was a, there's a part of my brain 
that doesn't want to get sued for libel that goes, don't talk about that. So I'm not even going to go there. Um, I saw the film with Rupert Everett and Judy Dench. Mm. Um, I would have maybe I was I think I was meant to read it in first year drama school because people talked we talked about it so I learned about it I remember doing like a lecture where people were like you know Ernest was meant many things in those days and that sort of thing mm. uh and um I think I think my favorite thing that Mish said is yes I'm sure I I'm sure there were scenes done by you know, people who would eventually go on to be teachers, lawyers, uh, bloggers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a, it's a play that's just around a lot when you're a drama student. Mm. Is that fair to say, Mish? Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's, it's one of the, it's, it's one of the, like, famous comedy texts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the go-to. It's the, if you've read 12 plays... To, in order to pretend like you like theatre for three years, yeah, that's one of the ones you read. <laughs> yeah, that is precisely why I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I reckon that because I'm sure there's people out there that are like, oh man, I've got to pretend I know what they're talking about. Well, yeah. I've got you. I've got you. <laughs> you got a lot of first year drama students listening yeah. right now. Yeah, your your viewer count or whatever is about to skyrocket. Yes. <laughs> Here it comes. I'm big in the drama schools. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a play by Oscar Wilde, The Importance of Being Ernest, first performed in February 1895 at the St. James Theatre in London. Still Wilde's most well-known play. It was a huge success at the time. Now, it is a comedy in three acts, and it is a farce, which people might not know. That means it's a, it's a comedy that aims at entertaining the audience. Through situations that are highly exaggerated, extravagant, and thus improbable. So just a mm. bit of fun. Yeah. That sounds about right. It is a bit of fun. A bit of fun. Yes, I'd, I'd say after reading it that I would say that it is a bit of fun. Now, people can uh, suggest stuff that I do for this show. And there's a link in the description of this episode if anyone wants to suggest a novel or a play or whatever they like. And uh, this one, uh, I've got to say thank you to Eliza Goodman from California. Linda Moulton Ooh. from Thailand, Claudia Becker from Kansas, Spencer Roller from Michigan, and Sophie Shooter from Adelson in the UK all told me that I should do The Importance of Being Earnest. So thank you very much to those people. They that all is... told you to do it, and they're all drama students. <laughs> Every single one <laughs> so of them. So congratulations, Eliza, Linda, Claudia, Spencer, and Sophie. Wow. Uh, you've got a big few years in front of you. And let me tell you, let me tell you, um, don't listen to what everyone's saying. When you step out of drama school, there are so many jobs. <laughs> so many. What you should do is make sure that you don't make a lot of money in another job so that you're available for auditions because you'll definitely get a lot of auditions. Consider- and you'll definitely <laughs> get the part after doing the auditions. Yeah, so if it means that you, you, you could potentially run yourself into poverty by your mid-20s, that's, that's, that's what you should be doing. Okay. 100%. 100%. I'm taking note. I'm in my late 20s. I'm nearly 30. Is, does that advice still count? Like, should I be yes, doing these auditions? Yes, always. 
If there's you want always it. time to throw away any sense of security. There's, it's always a good time. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. 100%. Dave, um, I also think it's amazing how, how many people are from different countries on that list. That's so exciting. Is that what happens when you pick a, a podcast topic that people outside of <laughs> Australia are interested in? Mate, all I'm saying is you should probably do MasterChef Thailand yeah. next season and you've got a whole new market that you could be cashing in on. That yeah. sounds phenomenal. That's 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 smart. That's how yeah. you make the big money. You're a real thinker, Dave. <laughs> it's just uh, something that appeals to people. People outside of above 30 and from Australia. <laughs> yeah. You know what's up. Yeah. Keep it open. Keep it open. All right. So uh, this is a pl- it's an act, uh, three-act play. Act one takes place in a flat on Half Moon Street in London. Now, the, the text tells us that the room is luxuriously and artistically furnished and piano music is heard off stage just to set the scene there. Mm. Mm. Now, the young owner of this flat, Algernon Moncrief... Or Very good. LG to his friends enters the stage. He is a young bachelor, a young gentleman, if you will. So he's just hanging out, talking to his butler he's a lot. He's just chilling. Yeah. Relaxing, so, relaxing. Being a big man around campus in his own house. And then his friend, Ernest Worthington, arrives. Ernest. Yeah. That's Ernest. right. Ernest. The, the play <laughs> is <Yeah>. called. <laughs> The importance of being earnest. Oh, actually, yep. I didn't put that together until just then because they're spelled differently. So yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. That's that's a good Are observation. They actually? Yes, that's right. So earnest is E R N E S T for the name, but earnest for the word is E A R. E A. And what's the spelling of the of the play? Is earnest as in the the word? The not word. The... Yes, that's right. Wow. Mm. The um, the is it adjective. Versus the proper noun. I'm going to be ravaged by your fans <laughs> if I got that wrong. I, I don't want to assume who your fans are. <laughs> They're coming are, for you. But they are going to come for me for that if I got that wrong. I believe it is a, a homophone. Am I saying that right? Saying that right? <laughs> oh, you better be. Because <laughs> oh, you are going to get the comments. <laughs> is Mish's one fan also a linguist as well? He's going to be pissed off. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Probably. He's coming for you, Dave. <laughs> So this character is introduced as Ernest Worthington. But every time he speaks the script, it actually says his name is Jack. Interesting. Mm. So I'll, I'll call him Jack from this point on. So Jack introduces Ernest as arrived from the country where he owns a large manor home. He wittily mm. muses on the difference between city and country life. So just to, just to paint the scene of the uh, Oscar Wilde wit here, Jack enters and one of his first lines is, as he pulls off his gloves, he's come from the country... When one is in town, one amuses oneself. When one is in the country, one amuses other people. It is excessively boring. I reckon he went to private school. Oh, definitely. That's the kind of bullshit. The <laughs> private school. Oh, you went to a public school. He, that, I reckon Jack slash Ernest, he's a bit of a private school boy. I think that you are 100% accurate there. And there was, there's barely anyone in this script that has not been to private school. <laughs> Well, they own large manors, and if you own a large manor, you go to a blazer-wearing kind of school. Here's my question about the importance of being earnest. Mm -hmm. Was it a play for the people that are in the play, 
Or was it a play for people that, like, was it like, what I'm asking is I'm watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills at the moment. (laughs) Was it sort of the 1895 version of that, like, look at how these people live. Um, Let's both be jealous of their lifestyles and laugh at them. Yeah, I think I honestly think it is that second bit. I think it is. A, it's a piss take of these mm. wealthy types. Mm. Oh. But then they, the wealthy types probably liked it as well. The way we all loved Kath and Kim. You know what I mean? They were probably like, "Oh, we do say that." Yes. Oh, very good, very good, oh, very sorry, good. Yes. That's you <laughs> <laughs> in the aisles of the theatre. Oh, going, that's, that's darling, you, isn't it, Jonathan? <laughs> Your name's LG, yes. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, you went to eat and like LG. <laughs> so now the two of them are hanging out. We've got Jack, okay, Ernest, and LG. And LG tells his friend Jack that he is to have his aunt, Lady Augusta Bracknell, Lady Bracknell, and her daughter, Gwendolyn, over for tea okay. later that day. But LG yep. tells Jack that his aunt... Lady Bracknell won't approve of Jack being there because he flirts too much with her daughter Gwendolyn. Mm. So, ah. so it's a bit saucy. Can I just say as well, Dave, what you have evoked from both Zach and I is the universal theatre student sound of mm. Mm. <laughs> I know. Mm. I know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I know this bit. Yep. Mm. Mm. Do yep. pray tell, yes. Mm. 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 Yep. Mm. Yep, Ernest. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Mm. <laughs> Adjective. Got it. Mm. Humble okay. Got sure. it. Mm. Stop it. I, I reckon that's probably. That. <laughs> it's probably like a literature student thing as well. I might be wrong, but I feel like it's a real like. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it is. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. No. Of course. Yep. And then and then as they're finishing the sentence, you're like, yep, yep, yep. Saw that one coming. Yep. Uh-huh. That. Yes. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yes. I know one, that because I read it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read the play. Yeah. I didn't just watch the 2002 film <laughs> starring. <laughs> Starring the guy from The Kingsman. (laughs) I definitely didn't just listen to a podcast about this play. I have read it. (laughs) If you were meant... So if you're in, like, say, high school or uni and you have to read this play um, and you don't want to and you want to listen to this podcast, I get it. Um, Just go, "Mm, Mm, 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 mm." mm." and try and do it. Just as the person lecturing or speaking to you is just getting towards the end of the sentence, because it means that you, uh, you already know what they're going to say. So, uh, mm, yep. Mm. Like Theater is a very special world where that is like run by smart people, like run by like, or there's a lot of like, man, smart, but there's a lot of like smart like th- literature type people in that world people that really are like switched on and and tackle themes they are like the lifeblood of the theater scene but like the skin and the mass like the the bulk of theater is just dumb actors so it's like (laughs) this world of like it's all built on very intelligent ideas, but the bul- it's bulked out by dumb people who, yeah. like, cry for a job. So Who don't even cry for a job, cry for free and hope one day it'll be their job. Mm. And it's, um, it's very funny. So, they're, they're good at bluffing. And it's, it's very interesting when we then hold those people up as, like, um, you know, people whose opinions are important. Like... <laughs> Would you- it's just like, I wonder what Meryl Streep has to say about that. Or oh, Meryl Streep kind of got it a bit wrong on that issue. It's like, yes, because you think she's smart because she says smart people's words well. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So, anyway, mm, mm, mm. 
Mm. All right, mm. So I've heard a lot of mm, so obviously you're understanding what I'm what I'm saying here, which I appreciate. We're there. Hunch that. You're right with me. So Jack, he flirts too much with Gwendolyn. LG's like you can't you can't be here when my aunt and cousin come around because you're a flirt. And Jack says, I am in love with Gwendolyn. I've come up to town expressly to propose to her. That dirty dog. Full oh. on. When flirting turns to love, we've oh, all yeah. been there. <laughs> we get. I get it. I get it. Well, LG tells his friend that he won't consent to Jack marrying his cousin until he clears up the whole question of Cecily. And Jack's like, who's Cecily? LG tells Jack that he's found his cigarette case but is confused because it doesn't have his name inside it. It has an inscription that says, from little Cecily with her fondest love to dear Uncle Jack. And just seconds earlier, he claimed not to know anyone called Cecily. And also... Mm. Who's Jack? I have a lot of people in my family that would probably deny that they know me too. <laughs> so I get it. Never heard of. Like, her. Never, never heard her. Yeah, no, my my uncle, not my biggest fan. Like, wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I uh, I have to like. I think now is the time to own up to the fact that I've got the IMDb of the uh, of the Colin Firth, um, a <laughs> uh, Colin Firth. Rupert Everett, importance of being earnest up on my phone. Mm. And um, whenever you say a character, I'm going, right, Rupert Everett. Okay, gotcha, good. Gotcha. Okay, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> okay that's, that's Reese Witherspoon. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, I know what's going on here. Would you prefer so if I started saying Rupert and Reese instead of the character? Well, I can just throw it in. So, so, so far, Algie yep. is Rupert Everett. Okay. Uh, yep. Colin Firth is Jack. Um, Francis o- o- O'Donnell. O'Connor, Frances O'Connor, is uh, who's a great Australian actress who was in um, AI. She oh. was the mum in AI. And you also got the IMDb trivia page open there. Wasn't no, Helen that's Hunt? all in here. Wasn't Helen Hunt the <laughs> mum in, in AI? <laughs> no, maybe it was Helen Hunt, and I've completely misremembered. I don't think so. No, no remember I, what was the movie Helen Hunt did with the little boy from Sixth Sense? Wasn't that AI? Uh, no, that wasn't AI. You're thinking of Pay It Forward or whatever, oh. where where he comes up with the idea of <laughs> with a little boy from Six Sense. So little boy from Six Sense, Haley Joel who Osmond. I met at a party once. Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> I met Haley Joel Osment at a party once. He was like, "Excuse me, is that the way to the bar?" And I said, "Yes, it is." And I thought, "I've made it." So, <laughs> wow. And this is why I ride his coattails. <laughs> Wow, and he's riding Haley Joel Osment. fucking Osmond's. gold like, yep, for gold like this. <laughs> and can I just ask, when you're in, in most venues I've been in, I don't know what it's like in yeah. Hollywood where you hang out, but what, usually the bar is a pretty obvious place where it is. How do you not know where to was, get there? It was, a, it was a house party <laughs> and someone had set up a bar. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm with you. In the, in the den. <laughs> I like the idea that Haley Joel Osment goes to like a small underground club with a giant bar, but still goes around and asks people so that they have the moment Zach had. <laughs> He's <laughs> giving people a gift. Oh, my God. Yeah. He was just a friendly guy. You know, he was pretty much normal. He was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> As he, he walked past me. He was in Pay It Forward with Helen Hunt and has nothing so to do with AI, which has nothing to do with <laughs> what you're talking about, Dave. And I'm so, so sorry. Yeah, so, 
I should recap. say at the start of this podcast, we asked Dave, we said, hey, is it okay if we tangent a little? He said, look, I welcome it. And then I think I saw the look in his eyes when we got somewhere from somewhere about, uh, around um, Francis O'Connor was in AI. No, that was Helen Hunt. No, that's pay it forward. Around that point where he thought, Oh no, what permission have I given them? I also think now is a really good time for me to mention that the first time we did this podcast with you, Dave, when you finished, I remember going home and thinking, we did so many tangents in that. There is no way he's going to ask us back. And then the other day when you asked us back, I went, oh, he's forgotten what we like. He's forgotten what we did. I remember having a great time. I remember having a great time. It was a really fun three hours. I'm sure, but I'm almost positive that this is our last time. (laughs) No, you're going to come back. Every time I do a play, I think of you theatre type straight away. I get this insight. No other guest of mine has ever been to a party in a den with Hayley Joel Osment. It's true. It's true. And it's absolutely Zach's three-year acting course that got him there. Sorry. So anyway, back to the point. So sorry, Dave. So back got- to the point. Helen Hunt was <laughs> <laughs> Helen Hunt was in Pay It Forward. That was his film. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And Helen Hunt was also in Twister with Bill Paxman. Paxman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause Pay It Forward, everyone was like, who's this kid? We gotta watch. We gotta watch his next film, and it was a film about a kid going, "Hey, if you do something nice for someone and just ask them to do it for three other people, um, that would be cool." And then someone wrote a whole script around that concept, and then that movie came out. Um, it's a different time. Okay. Thank you. Sorry, for that. Dave. Back to it. We were yeah. somewhere in the first scene of the play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we got Jack and LG there. LG's found. The cigarette case that has another man's name, Ernest, in it with another woman's name, and it's Cecily. So Jack, Reese Witherspoon. Yes, thank you so much. So, <laughs> so Jack has to come clean to his friend. I believe is that Colin Firth coming clean to Rupert Everett. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it <laughs> is. So yeah, that old chestnut. When Colin Firth comes clean to <laughs> Rupert Everett. So Colin, aka Jack, aka Ernest, he's got to say, "Oh no, <laughs> is that wrong?" No, it's perfect. I feel like my simplifying for me has complicated it for the listener. Dave, believe me, the only thing wrong here is Zach and I. (laughs) Well, he's got to come clean. He says, well... Maybe your choice to have us here. But anyway, go on. Stoked to have you here. What an absolute honour. So, (laughs) Jack says... So... (laughs) My name isn't Ernest. I've got to be honest with you. I know we're like really close friends, but my name isn't Ernest. His real name is Jack... He's invented mm-hmm. the alias of Ernest to protect Cecily Cardu, or Cardu, who is his young adoptee. He's adopted this girl. Mm. Jack himself okay. was adopted by a wealthy man named Thomas Cardu, who in his will named Jack as the guardian of his only granddaughter, Cecily. So together they live in the country where Jack is seen as a respectable member of society, setting a good example for the younger lady. But he tells people in the country that he has a young and wild brother named Ernest, who lives in London and whom he periodically has to travel into town to check up on. And then when he gets to London, he assumes the identity of Ernest and can live the life of a young playboy and still protect his reputation and young adoptee Cecily back home. It's a great setup great, right? for a show. Yeah, very, very it? good. It's and so Zach and funny. I didn't interrupt once. <laughs> that was pretty good. 
That was so easy for us to do because we are respectful guests. Mm. Professional. But it was honestly the most boring part of the show. So please don't go silent for the next half now. <laughs> no, Dave, we are not going to talk. <laughs> we will listen. Until we are called upon. <laughs> no, we were going to interject. That's the gag. Yeah, That's the bit. That's the bit of the podcast. Yeah. There's, there's so many. There is so many more. Helen Hunt movies to talk about. <laughs> Believe me. She even brought back, they brought back Mad as Hell. I don't know if you know that. I know. <coughs> I know. I used to love Mad as Hell. Yeah, they brought it back for mm. um, a streaming service. Mm. For it, like basically in America, they, they have an internet provider called Spectrum. It's kind of like IINet. If you're mm. an American listener, it's a bit like Spectrum. Okay. Um, and uh, and uh, they. Um, they basically had this thing and they made a streaming service and then the only thing on it is Mad as Hell. Mm. <laughs> Crazy times. Is it called Mad as Hell, the streaming um, Yeah, it's like they brought back Mad as Hell. You know that, um, what's uh, on BoJack Horseman, how there's a, there's a gag in it where it's like, what's the time.com, um, what's the time.com basically has its own streaming service because everyone has a streaming service. I believe that's based on... The Spectrum streaming service that has mad as hell. <laughs> Crazy times. Um, I also, just before you get back into it, Dave, it's worth noting that, yes, uh, up on Zach's phone right now, he has the cast of Importance of Being Earnest, which is, of course, the play that we're discussing. I yep. now have Helen Hunt's movies. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <You laughs> so I'm ready. Sprinkle a few in there just in case. That would be fantastic. Absolutely. A little bit of a Helen Hunt trivia throughout the show is always appreciated. Thank you. <laughs> no problems. It's what I bring. So, Ernest, aka Jack, he's like, all right, I'm not Ernest. I'm just pretending to be Ernest when I'm up in town, but I want to marry Gwendolyn. LG thinks this is brilliant because he too has an alias. He's created an invalid, that's what the script says, friend named Bunbury, who lives in the country and he, whom he uses an, as an excuse to get out of going to events. So instead, of, he's like, I wish I could come to dinner tonight, but my friend's really sick in the country. I've got to go visit yeah. Bunbury. And LG just- I'll just say also, that does remind me, in high school, there was a girl I went to high school with and her dad got done for pretending he had another kid for tax purposes. <laughs> get out of town. Yeah, that actually happened. So he pretends, because a lot of people have secret second families. He pretended to have a larger family. Do you get taxed less if you have more children? Is that a thing? I did he, not know it was that. something. He'd created another child that was like 11 years older than the eldest <laughs> child so he could claim something. Wow. And he got done for it. And I don't, yeah, and I, I don't know how it spread around our school so fast, but we all found well, out about crazy. it. crazy. Because it's absolutely, like, what a psycho. And yeah. It, it, I've never, I'll never forget him. That is, I've, and he, I've never. But heard he had of that. like a name for the son and everything. Yeah, he but, would have had to. Yeah, it's like full fraud. What's funny is that in real life, when something like this happens, it's like, oh my goodness. But mm. on in the theatre, when something like this happens, I go, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that is the magic—the oh. magic of a farce, isn't it? <laughs> Love a farce. Love a good farce. <laughs> As you were, Dave. Well, so Elgie, his, his, uh, his, his friend he's made up is Bunbury. So he describes both of them as Bunburyists. So I, I don't know if the friend you went to high school with, her dad describes herself as a Bunburyist. Um, I think he's in jail. <laughs> <laughs> so cut up. <laughs> oh, I love it. 
So Jack's like, well, I don't want to be lumped in a category with you, Algy. I don't want to be a Bunburyist. As he tells him that if Gwendolyn accepts his marriage proposal, he's going to kill off his alias Ernest and live a simpler, cleaner life. He's ready to move on. Algy, mm. wow. he hears about Cecily, the, uh, the ward, the adopted daughter of his friend Jack. But Jack refuses to, div- to divulge the address. He's like, I want to meet her. But he refuses to divulge the address in the protecting... The girl, who at the same time he describes as 18 and excessively pretty. So I don't know why he brought up that information, but he said that, which makes Algie want to meet her even more after he hears how beautiful she is. Mm. Yeah. But he's like, no, wow, you, you can't be my friend. Yeah. That's... Uh, that's. Uh, I only want to meet my friend's on. hot daughters. <laughs> no, it's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. It's so full on. <laughs> that is incredibly full on. I love, um, uh, I love um, trying to get past shit like that. Like just, oh, no, 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 that's not a bad thing in 1895. So now get back to enjoying it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. Like a few weeks ago on uh, my other podcast, Do Go One, we were talking about Edgar Allan Poe's life. And it was really hard to get back on track and uh, sort of have fun with his life after he married his 14-year-old cousin when he was 30. Ooh. And it was like, Ooh. sorry, oh, yeah, what? That's- Sorry, sorry. It was really hard. Excuse me? It was hard to joke around after that. Yeah, you can't exactly talk about his poetry after that and be like, oh, that was an excellent poem. But remember that time he married a child yeah. that he was related to? Oh, first cousin. <laughs> wow. That's, oh, man. Yeah. That's full on, eh? So full on. <laughs> so full on. Well, speaking of cousins, cousin Gwendolyn and Elgie's aunt uh, Lady Bracknell arrive. Now, Lady ah, Bracknell. here we go. She's a mm. famous character in the theatre. She's very wealthy. Very snobbish, very intimidating lady, speaking mostly in cutting witticisms. Mm. She enters. She's she's on fire. She's a great character. She's she really the, is. Uh, um, she's the one you want to play. Like she's the one that I, at least I did. Like I think a lot of people at drama school just want to be the leading lady or the leading man. They just want to step on stage mm. and be. And it's like, but I got over that pretty quickly and realized that the, the height of my career. But also the best thing you can do is like have two scenes, come on, be the funniest person in the play, mm. walk off and then sit backstage for an hour and a half. Mm. Like that's the that's the good role. And I and also historically, Lady Bracknell's played by men. Not historically, that that became a trend in the last few decades. Oh, all right then. So it's <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, no, it was um, it, it it was originally a woman, and then like in the uh, maybe I'm wrong, but then I think like uh, David Suchet men, men from- wanted oh. it, so they took it. <laughs> men wanted it. I want that. That's the fun yeah, part. That's the best part in the play. Give it to me, a man. Give it yeah. to me. Yeah, there's such an abundance of excellent female characters, <laughs> oh, and so no. men were just like, they won't miss this one. Oh, yeah. I want this one. The fun one. I'll take that one. Thank yeah. you very much. Okay, but Zach, you're absolutely uh, right. My absolute hero. Uh, of stage and screen, David Suchet, who is famous for playing Poirot on TV, he did play mm. Lady Bracknell a few years ago, mm. and I think That's it right. might have been it might have been him that sort of kicked off the trend. They did a run where they had him play it in Australia when MTC did it. A, a prominent male uh, actor uh, played the part. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, but I, there was it, it started. I think maybe David Suchet, but maybe someone else. I can't. I can't remember. Mm. But it was like someone on West End. But they were like, "Hello." Mm. Well, thank God, women still have the pretty eighteen-year-olds to play. <laughs> <laughs> The pretty ones that don't say many things. Yeah, thank God for that. There's still an opportunity for us girls. We've still I, got this. I don't. I can't remember who this is, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I remember hearing a rumor about um, there was uh, two female comics, and some they they developed. I shouldn't say this, but they developed a, a web series, and quite a prominent uh, person, producer person, was like. It's all right. It was for them. They wrote it for themselves and they're like, it's all right. But do you know what would be really funny is if those two lead female characters you wrote were men in drag. <laughs> oh. Oh, how my bad is God. that? I shouldn't have said that, <laughs> but I think I've left it ambiguous enough. Yeah. We got a way to go. Was <laughs> that. Was that Helen Hunt? That's full on. Um, no, that wasn't Helen Hunt. What you're thinking of, Dave, is What Women Want, oh. starring Mel Gibson and Helen Hunt, uh, released in the year 2000. Um, that's what you were thinking of. But if you weren't thinking of that, you might have been thinking of Soul Surfer, which was released in 2011 about a young surfer who gets her arm bitten off by a shark. Uh, that's my that's, cup of tea right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's the good shit. <laughs> Helen Hunt is such a versatile actress. We here at Book Cheats love Helen Hunt. Oh, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Helen Hunt. <laughs> yeah. And I will bring up more of her shit once Dave has said just maybe two or three more sentences. Fantastic. Well, I was going to uh, unleash a bit of Lady Bracknell on you here. So love this. Opening, this is the first thing she says as she hits the stage. She says... Good afternoon, dear Algernon. I hope you are behaving very well. To which Algernon says, I'm feeling very well, Aunt Augusta. And she says, that's not quite the same thing. In fact, the two things rarely go together. I mean... Very good, Oscar Wilde. Oh, fantastic stuff. It's just like that for page after page. A lot of (laughs) witty repartee, if you will. (laughs) What do you reckon... Like, like, cause it, it's out and out comedy. Cause I think comedy ages the fastest or, 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 you know, like, cause I, I really like this show, but I don't like, like there are moments where you genuinely laugh when you watch it live, but you don't go like, Oh, that's funny. You go, ah, very good. But like, mm. that would have been funny, funny in 1895. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you're, yes. you're right. I think that this is, that's the kind of line where. When you're in a room, like a theatre, especially full of older people that love to laugh out loud to let the other people in the audience know that they get the joke. Yeah. When I'm reading it on the page, I think, oh, that's that's pretty witty. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But in a room, older Mm. people are just like, oh, 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 did you hear that? Oh, man, it's so funny. Like, uh, Mish, I shouldn't criticise your audience, Mish, but Mish wrote a play, uh, wrote a play, um, a very, very funny play, a very good play, very moving, very dark, but also because Mish is, as you know, very funny just from listening to her. And I went and saw it and I was just like pissing myself laughing at the funny stuff. And there was like audience, like really laughing at the funny stuff. And then just those theater people like looking at me like, why are you laughing so loud at these, <laughs> at this silly business? And then someone would say something like really serious, like, you know, 
oh my god i you know i'm my life is a mess and i'm going to die and i don't care and they'll go ah ha ha very good <laughs> very good very good <laughs> yes it is a comedy you see it's just like i hate all of you <laughs> oh it is it's some it can be tough to take sitting in a room full of those people isn't it <laughs> Oh man, it was like they were just looking at me. I'm like, it was funny. It was a funny bit. It was funny. And then they'll laugh at the next bit. I'm like, that wasn't even a joke. What are you doing? They just sit there thinking. They're like, that was a joke. That was a joke. Ha ha. That wasn't a joke. That's how they watch Importance of Being Earnest. You don't have to comment. You don't have to comment, Mish. Mish is a very good playwright. an audience or listening to an audience watch my show was the weirdest thing for my ego because <laughs> I'd put in what I thought was quite funny shit. And when they wouldn't laugh, I'd be like, oh, and my ego would get deflated. And then when they'd laugh, when I'd kill off a protagonist, <laughs> I was like, well, they're laughing. So I'll because take I, it. <laughs> I guess I reckon what it is with the, with the, with the, it's the stupid smart people. As I said, the bulk of the theatre industry, the stupid smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I reckon what happens is they'll pick up on a joke that you wrote that was properly funny and they'll go, oh, I was meant to laugh at that. I'll be sure to laugh at the next joke. <laughs> and then you kill someone and they're like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. I am smart too. I get all the jokes. Exactly. Terrible people. Anyway. So sorry, Dave. <laughs> They're all right. No, well, so Algernon, he distracts his aunt Lady Bracknell and takes her into another room, leaving Jack and Gwendolyn, the one that he flirts with, alone. Gwendolyn oh, is a no. young intellectual type, a little bit pretentious, but when Jack confesses his feeling, uh, that he has feelings for her, she admits that she feels it too. In fact, they both confess that they love each other. Oh, nice. Oh, that's nice. nice I actually remember this scene in the MTC show. It was really good. Mm. Well, she calls him my own Ernest with a bit of emphasis on Ernest. Remember? That's what she thinks his name is. Oh, I forgot. I forgot about this bit. (laughs) This bit coming. Because you're like, it's going well for him. This is is going well. They both love each other. Fantastic. This is going to work out well. Nuh-uh. This is kind of like when you lie to someone on Hinge about who you are. And then you actually hit it off. You're like, oh, no. And you're like, oh, no. I like this what one. Am I ha- gonna you're going to have to find out that I'm not a medical student <laughs> or great in bed. <laughs> They're going to have to find you're out. You're going to find I'm all not... this stuff up out about me. Like, oh, They're going to have no. to find out that I'm not someone who looks exactly like Emily Ratajowski. Yeah, they're going to find that out now. <laughs> I, I, I relate. Your first go tos are one, I'm a medical student. Two, I'm great in bed. Over to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Over Dave, to you. Dave, um, I've had a lot of experience and that's how you pull. I love it. You, well done. You say, you say you have a ridiculous schedule at university that requires you to be there for 14 hours a day as a medical student, but you fuck. <laughs> I'm taking notes on this as well. I, I think I should start a new page. I've got one for how to be an actor and two for how to fuck. Thank you so yeah, much. No problems. <laughs> so she's like, my own Ernest. And Jack says, but you don't really mean to say that you wouldn't love me if my name wasn't Ernest. She's like, well, your name is Ernest, so that doesn't matter. And he responds, I know, but let's just assume it was something else. You'd still love me, right? Like if I was called something like Jack, for instance, you'd still be into me. And Gwendolyn mm. says, quote, Jack, 
No, there's very little music in the name Jack, if any at all indeed. It does not thrill. It produces absolutely no vibrations. I've known several Jacks, and they all, without exception, were more than usually plain. Besides, Jack is a notorious domesticity for John, and I pity any woman who was married to a man called John. She'd probably mm. never be allowed to know the entrancing pleasure of a single moment solitude. The only really safe name is Ernest. Uh-oh. Oh, no. He's like... Um, someone bad. I used to work with just named her son John. Uh-oh. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. No, no. It's just... It's kind of... It's, but it's strange, <laughs> though, because when that kid is five... He'll be the only John there while, yeah. while he's at school with a whole bunch of, like, C- people named Book and, <laughs> like, Circus. Bl- yeah, and and, then, and he'll be the one with the weird name. Yeah, well, John. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, mm. like, like uh, yeah, like, he won't be... I, I can't add anything to that joke. I was like, I'm going to jump in and then it's going to come to me. Mm-hmm. But I just ruined the flow. I love that you trust yourself, though. you got to do that sometimes. Mm. Sometimes you just got to do it. I was like, funny names, John, a five-year-old named John. So much comedy gold here, but yeah. instead, I just, I just brought the, I just brought the podcast crashing to a halt. Mm. Mish, As opposed mish, to what we've been doing up. for you for the <laughs> previous hour of recording of this podcast, where we've just all been on the same page, rolling through it. Mish, pick it back up with a Helen Hunt fact. Oh, yeah, quick, quick. okay, sure. I don't know if you guys know this about Helen Hunt, but she was also in a movie called Girls Just Want to Have Fun, oh. which, without even looking this up, I know was Sarah Jessica Parker's first film. That's a very interesting fact. That is good yeah. stuff. Yeah. That's great. I, I think yeah. so, too. I've never seen anyway. it, but I, I want to see it now. Mm. Yeah. I'll put it, sure? Yeah, I want to see it, too. Great 80s film. I'll put it on the list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Check that on the Oh my god. On the list. <laughs> I just what? found out an excellent Helen Hunt fact. Yeah. Well that's why we're here, so Should I say it now or save it for when Dave's saying something else important? <laughs> that I can I reckon interrupt him. Save with. it. It's not my podcast, right, but cool. I reckon save it. Yeah, and do and interrupt him again at a later yeah, time. I'm gonna need you. Absolutely. I'm gonna need you okay. in the second act, so please. Alright. <laughs> cool. When shit really heats up, that's when we'll we'll absolutely knock Dave down. <laughs> When we go to the manor, yeah. that's the time. Thank you. That's the time. When we're talking about cucumber sandwiches and tea or something, I can't mm. really remember, that's when you drop the hunt fact. Awesome. All right, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, uh-oh, she only wants to marry me if my name is Ernest. She says out loud that he must be christened at once, so he wants to change his name, which confuses her, but he proposes and they agree to marry anyway. Lady Bracknell, Gwendolyn's mother, comes back in just after the proposal and is shocked to hear of, of this news. She does not consent. She tells mm-hmm. Jack that he is not down on her list of eligible young men and starts grilling him with a bunch of personal questions. His age? 29. Okay, that's all right. His income? That's satisfactory. They get to his parents. Jack says, I have lost both my parents. To which Lady Bracknell says, To lose one parent, Mr Worthing, may be regarded as a misfortune, but to lose both... Looks like carelessness. Ha 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 ha! Oh, Oscar! Great line. That is actually a great joke. Great line. That's a very that's a very Oscar line. Even though uh, he is, she is joking about both of his parents having perished. Mm. That's very true. It's, it's, she's an awful person. But mm. still, great line. Jack admits that <laughs> he doesn't even know who his father was because he says, "I was found." Found? Says Lady Bracknell. She asks, "As a baby, where he was found?" And he says. In a handbag. 
And she oh. says, a handbag, which is one Not of the most good. famous lines of the play. Yeah. Mm. Her freaking out. I can see David Suchet saying it right now. Oh. <laughs> what a guy. Judy Dench. I wonder if Oscar's, Oscar Wilde's really pissed off that he spent so long with all these witty repartees and the most famous line <clears throat> from his play is a handbag. A handbag? <laughs> Like, yeah, he'd be, be shitty. Yeah. So was Oscar Wilde the, like, Dan Harmon of his time, you reckon? Who's or like Dan the, Harmon? Did um, Community and... Oh. Uh, what do you reckon he it, was like... He's kind of like the Matt Preston of his time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was who he was as a personality, but as, like, mm. a writer, like, what's the equivalent? What's the... What's the... Someone, what's the thing? Someone who's witty... And I was bringing people Like, down. it's, like, well-written. Like, maybe Arrested Development has a similar thing to what that was going... I don't know. Mm. I could see that. That's food for thought. Mm. Interesting. Maybe mm. maybe uh, anyone writing an essay about this could delve into that topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, the whole story is that Jack was adopted after being discovered as a baby in a handbag at the cloakroom at Victoria Station in London, specifically on the Brighton line. Lady Bracknell says, You can hardly imagine that I and Lord Bracknell would dream of allowing our only daughter, a girl brought up with the utmost care, to marry into a cloakroom and form an alliance with a parcel, and then she leaves. Great stuff. Great stuff, Oscar. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Just in case, just some of you didn't know, that was funny. That was funny. That was pretty funny. Well, so they leave, but Gwendolyn manages to sneak back a few minutes later and confess her love to Jack, who she still thinks is called Ernest. <clears throat> Not good. This is like the OG catfish. Totally. Yes. Yes. This is, you know, this is what this is all about. If you were to do like, you know, the, cl- the way Clueless they did, uh, was Clueless uh, Emma? Yeah. Yes. And then uh, 10 Things I Hate About You was Taming mm. the Shrew. You yeah. could do like a... Like a Important. importance of being earnest, a teen sort of catfish yeah, with Max comedy and drama. With Casey who? Donovan should really have read The Importance of Being <laughs> Earnest. Oh, 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 oh. Poor Casey Donovan. Oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not taking piss, <laughs> but everyone knows that's not like I've revealed the face Zach just gave me was like, oh, that was wrong. No, it's not. That is. I'm still hurting. He, I'm still a, hurting. She did, a, she did a like current affair or a today tonight about it. The world knows. It's not like I said you're an idiot, Casey. You got catfished. I'm just saying maybe if you'd read the importance of being earnest, she would have gone. This is an been earnest like, Hold on situation. a second. You know what I mean? What's going on anyway, here? Helen Hunt was married to Hank Azaria. What? What? There you go. I didn't know yeah. that. I did not know. Yeah, they there were married. There you go. Can you imagine mm. the funny conversations they'd be having over dinner with different voices? Yeah, she'd be like, Very funny. hey, can you pass the salt? And he'd be like, hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> hey here's some salt. <laughs> she'd be like, wow. She's like, I want a divorce. <laughs> I have met another man. <laughs> another man who doesn't then, well, do they're not. Voices. They're not married anymore. They got divorced in the year 2000. Oh, no. Wow. Yeah. So that maybe Pete that's why. as well. She 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 was like, nah, Even even though you are Hank Azaria in the year two thousand, yeah. uh, this isn't working for me. Actually, they were only married for a year. Wow. Yeah. Did they ever do any movies to together? 2000. I don't know, and I don't 
want to look it up. <laughs> no worries. Fair enough, fair enough. Over to you, yeah. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Gwendolyn has snuck back into the house just to say, I love you, to Jack, because she thinks he's earnest. He gives her the address of his country home, and Elgie, mm-hmm. secretly listening in, writes down the address on his sleeve. He mm. then reaches for the train timetable. A little bit cheeky. Mm. Act one ends with Elgie telling his butler, Lane, that... Tw- Quote, tomorrow I'm going Bunburying. He lights a cigarette and then looks at his sleeve and smiles. Curtain. Wow. See, the butler, that's the character you want to play. Oh, when, yeah. Yeah, you think you want Bracknell. You want the butler. There's a lot of pressure on Bracknell. Mm. A lot of pressure. I would love that, actually. Just to play like someone's like, all right, sir. <laughs> all right, sir, very well. So the, understanding, just... the understanding here is that LG has... Taken down that address so he can go and see Cecily. Yes, right? that's right. Because he, remember, he was yeah. like, "Oh, your young, pretty adoptee. I'd love to meet her." Oh, and Jack's like, "Stay your away." Foster daughter sounds hot. <laughs> yeah, and Jack's like, sounds... "Stay the hell away from my daughter." And Elgie's like, <laughs> "I'll just write down the address on my sleeve, thus ruining a t-shirt or a shirt." Yeah. And then also being an absolute creep at the same time. Mm. <laughs> that's very funny. My, the other issue is like, I feel like there's um. I feel like there's a lot of double entendres and there's a lot of like puns and a lot of like stuff that to an 1895 audience, you'd be just like picking up on. Like, I feel like Mm. Bunburying has like four meanings. And I feel like when they say Bunburying, it's like, oh, I know what they're saying. Bit of a wink. And yeah, a bit of a wink. Like, oh yeah, I get it. But like, there's a lot of that in this show, like where it's like. I don't. I think there's something there. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is real dirty, but right now it's just uh, like the handbag thing. I think there's some stuff there. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you just, I don't know. You just assume everything is sexual. Mm. I think it is with him. Just I think case. it. I think it is. It's like there's like a lot going on. I think he's pretty dirty, but not because he couldn't be because it was 1895. A lot of like innuendo type stuff. Yeah, like Ernest had many, many meanings. And like there's the two that you know, but then I'm, I've been told that there's other stuff there. Right. And what are they doing to the handbag, do you think? I've no idea. Oh. I've no idea. I just reckon there's something in that. Some, someone's doing something nasty to that handbag. <laughs> something's going on there. <laughs> It's something about Victoria Station. There's probably something in the news about Victoria Station. I'm like, I don't know what happened in Victoria Station. Well, people are like, oh, the Brighton line. Yes, we all know what happened on the Brighton line. Yeah. We're like, mm, what are you talking about? <laughs> wink, wink. Wink, wink. Bit of Brighton happening there. But you know? still, did you s- the theatre crowd are in the audience going, oh, yes, I get it. Yes. Oh, oh. Ha, ha, ha. Yes, of course. Ha, 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 ha. Just in case. Hey, Book Cheaters, just Dave dropping into the episode to tell you that this week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Now, we're all spending a bit more time at home at the moment, probably whittling away the hours with a bit of internet time. You might be looking up something that you don't want everyone to know about. A present for your lover, for example. Or looking up an old lover, stalking them on Facebook, and you don't want your new lover to know anything about that. I know most of you are probably thinking, well, Dave, I'm just going to... Use incognito mode and no one will know. Well, let me tell you something. Incognito mode, news to you, news to me. When I read this, it does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear that browsing history, your internet service provider can see every single website you've ever visited. That might be scary news, even if you're not dating your internet service provider. 
That's why even when I'm at home in my own network, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. If you're listening to this in the USA, ISPs or internet service providers like Verizon or Comcast, no matter which one you've got, they can legally sell your information to ad companies. Oh dear. But if you use ExpressVPN, that's an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure service so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. Problem solved. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. And it's available on all your devices, not just computers. You've got phones, computers, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse for you to not be using it right now. So if you want to protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by both CNET and Wired, visit my exclusive link at expressvpn.com slash bookcheat and you can get an extra three months for free on a one-year package. So that's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash bookcheat, expressvpn.com slash bookcheat to learn more and to get three months free on a one-year package. Speaking of packages, you can go back online and secretly buy a little something for your girlfriend or boyfriend, and they'll never know. And neither will your ISP. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Did you say curtains down, by the way? Uh, I believe so. So that's act one. Yes, that is act of three. Oh my God, we did it. But that is more, I will say that is more than half of what I've written here. So we are over halfway. Don't panic. We're not going to be here for four hours. It's our fault, Dave. Yeah. We're here oh, for Dave, seven this hours. Isn't like, I was like, oh, Dave's so annoyed for keeping us around. I've spoken for how long we've been recording now? Like, I don't know, an hour and a bit. Most of that's Helen Hunt. <laughs> Most of that is Helen. No, I, I just need to Hunt. allay fears because every time I say to people, so that's, uh, that's part one. Everyone always goes, part one. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, every time, seriously, every time I do a podcast and there's acts or the books in multiple parts, people go, oh, yeah. oh no, I'm never going to see my kids again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are going to keep it to a minimum of 20 Helen Hunt references. Yeah. We're going to get through this. Yeah. <laughs> my favourite thing about this this link, though, my favourite thing about this derailing is that Helen Hunt has nothing <laughs> to do with this play. I mean, this is entirely <laughs> built on mis- misremembering who played Haley Joel means- Osmond's mum in AI. <laughs> She's never been in this play in her life. She wishes she was Lady Bracknell. Oh, I'm sure we'd find a connection. There's that seven degrees of Kevin Bacon thing, you know. We'll find a connection. (laughs) By the end of this podcast, I will have found a connection. Mark my word. Yeah. She played Hayley Joel Osment's mum. (laughs) The fear in Dave's eyes of how long that is going to take me. Um, We're there. (laughs) I'm there. I got it. Oh, shit. All right. I reckon let's do act two. All right. Act two. I'm ready. I'm ready. Act two is set in the garden of Jack's manor house in the country. Cecily is studying with her governess, Miss Prism. 
when oh, someone yeah. arrives. You wouldn't believe it, but it's her Uncle Jack's brother, Ernest. The one that is always up to mischief in London. But of course, oh, it's not really I Ernest at all this. because he doesn't exist, mm. but it's actually Elgin on Elgie pretending to be Ernest. Okay. So he's turned That's up. Good. Look, he's looked at his sleeve, he's got the address, and now he's pretending to be Ernest. Elgie pretends to be disappointed that Jack won't be home until Monday and that he's arrived at a bad time, but really this was his plan all along because he knew his friend was away so he can chat up the young adoptee in an, a very creepy way, yes. He spends a, spends some time chatting up Cecily before they go inside the house together. Meanwhile, Jack, Cecily's guardian, returns home early. He's dressed in mourning mm. clothes. He explains to Cecily's governess, Miss Prism, and the local Reverend, Reverend Cannon, that he is dressed like this because his brother Ernest has unfortunately died in Paris. Uh-oh. F- oh, no. I feel very sorry for him. So, Jack, remember he said, if Gwendolyn says yes to marrying... Uh, Gwen says yes to marrying me. I'll kill off Ernest, and that way I don't have to pretend to be him anymore. Great. So that's what he's done. Great. Okay. But then Cecily comes back into the garden, excited to tell her uncle, Jack, that his brother Ernest has arrived an hour earlier. And Jack says, what nonsense? I haven't got a brother. I'm sure the audience would be laughing at this point. That's hilarious, though. I haven't got a brother. That's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to just, like, this is the fun. I would love to just, like, take, like... A, a sitcom script from like the 60s or the 70s like just something that's just like even something just that's outdated a little like an every everybody loves raymond i would love to just put on a production at mtc of four episodes of everybody loves raymond <laughs> and then if people are like oh, it's not very funny anymore it's like oh no no you don't understand in the 90s in the 1990s <laughs> It's actually very funny for something yeah. written in the 1990s. Yeah. It's it's actually worth spending $50 to go and see because in the... Yeah, you've got to think about it in the context of the time. In the time. Oh, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tell you, I'd pay to see it. I'd pay to see it. Oh, yeah, hunch then. Mm, definitely. So, LG then enters, still pretending to be earnest... And Jack is very shocked and angry to see his friend pretending to be his brother. But he can't say anything or he'll unravel his own web of lies. The fact that he made Mm. up Ernest in the first place. He's told that Ernest has unpacked his things inside, to which Jack insists that his brother won't be staying long. Cecily forces the two brothers to make up and shake hands, but Jack is not happy. He goes Mm -mm. off Mm -mm. to change out of his morning clothes, leaving Algie and Cecily alone, which is a big mistake. Big mistake. Yeah, you don't do that because he's a predator. He's he's an absolute predator. (laughs) Because he's got it in for your foster child. Yeah, you got to... Who's 18? Who's 18? She's 18. It's all right. She's 18. It's all right, man. It's all right. She's 18 and she's hot. (laughs) As already established in Act 1. Yeah, <laughs> he said it. I don't know why he's so mad. He's like, "Hey man, I got a really hot foster daughter," and he's like, "All right, he's like, no, <laughs> no, that's what's happened here. No, you're not allowed to. Yeah. But you said she was hot. Yeah, but I'm her dad, so 
Yeah. Oh, oh no. Uncle, uncle. She's hot. And adopted. <laughs> She's hot in a daughter way or something? Like, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> what is that? Um, it's good. i got to say, though, like, we're joking about how the witticisms are, like, not ha-ha funny anymore. Mm. But they are very well written. And the plot is awesome. Like, this is such a so good... good. Su- it's very good. <laughs> I'm just, I say, I'm becoming the person I have. It's very good, you see. <laughs> what to which I say, hmm. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm, I agree. Mm. 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 You put it well there. Put it well. Mm. Um, mm. Also, just quickly, Helen Hunt, she's a Gemini. Whoa. Well, there yeah. you go. Does that mean her birthday's Did it coming up say soon? that? Uh, I just got out of that information. Because <laughs> um. so, this is my question, Mish. Was on the IMDb, oh does it say oh Helen God. Hunt? No. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. <laughs> oh my if you tell God. me Helen Hunt has oh died, I will stop God. the show. No, no. What date is it today? We're recording this. We're, uh, when we're recording? Yes. Monday the 15th of June. It is Helen Hunt's birthday today. <laughs> that is amazing. It, oh my God. God brought us to Helen Hunt. <laughs> oh my goodness. God brought us to this Helen Hunt today. This is massive. Happy this the is call massive. of Helen Hunt. Happy 57th birthday to Helen Hunt today. Yeah. Wow. Did you just that look that up to make sure amazing. I wasn't lying to you, Dave? Well, I did have. I had a page open. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> All the good ones do, Dave. I mean, you, me. I've got it here. People across this country. <laughs> I've always got it open. Yeah, then have it open. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Wowie, it's Helen Hunt's birthday. That, and then, <gasps> anyway, guys, thanks so much. Do you have anything you wanted to promote? <laughs> <laughs> we got there. We got there. <laughs> I am. I'm amazed because, but when this comes out, which is tomorrow our time, it will actually be Helen Hunt's birthday. I assume she lives in America. So yes, yes, this is the California. That was another fact. You just gave it away. That's sorry fine. about that. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it's all right. You should be, man. Yeah. Happy birthday to Helen Hunt. Amazing. Happy birthday, Helen. We love you, Helen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we love you, Helen. Helen, if you're listening, love your stuff. Yeah. Helen Hunt, is, she's my dream guest. We could somehow get her on. I get, and I get that. Oh, for sure. I think, I think it's a really good goal. I, I think we should try and get Helen Hunt on the pod. If, oh, 100%. I'm not sure what our social media is like. If the followers of Book Cheat could... Get behind this and get in contact with Helen Hunt on Twitter if she's on there. That yeah. would be really appreciated. And we'll get our, our three listeners onto it as well. <laughs> yeah. Don't you Don't worry. worry, Dave. We got you. We've got Thank you. you. We've got you, man. Thank I've told you about my fan. Yeah. Once he's finished coming after you, he'll help you he'll out. Go out. He'll go after Helen Hunt. Yeah, he'll go after Helen. <laughs> Thank you, fan. <clears throat> Thank you, fan. So, so what's happened here is that Jack's gone inside to get changed, leaving the predator alone with the adoptee. And Elgie, but it's funny. <laughs> That's that but it's funny, funny though. And Elgie says to her, "You will marry me, won't you?" And Cecily says, "You silly boy, of course. Why we have been engaged for the last three months." And th- this this line really surprises Elgie. He's like, "What?" It turns out that alone on the estate, Cecily has created a fake romance in her mind between herself and and her uncle's mysterious brother, Ernest, and has been writing love letters to herself from him. And three months ago, in her own letter to herself, 
Ernest asked her to marry him. It's a very strange revelation, possibly the strangest scene. It's a scene. little bit of a stretch. It's, mm. you know, I was, I, I was very, admir- like, I was very impressed by Oscar Wilde, like the... I feel like when you make a farce, you've kind of got to get post-its, I reckon. If they had post-its, then put it on the wall and sort of draw lines between every plot point. This is where the character is. This is who they're playing. This is the situation they're mm-hmm. in. And I reckon he, he, he had done his graph and he had it all worked out. All the post-its were up. Everything worked. Everyone's motivation was right. <laughs> and he showed, showed his, his young lover and his young lover looked at it and said... Oscar, he's like, yeah, he's like, um, who's writing the letters to Cecily? And he's like, what? He's like, who's writing the letters to Cecily that makes her think they're engaged? And he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I don't know. She did it herself. <laughs> I know. It's-, it's, not that f- it's not that far of a stretch. <clears throat> I had a, a make-believe boyfriend when I was like 12. Wow. Did you, did you? win him over by I telling actually him? actually did. Did you tell him you're a medical student? Is that what got him... Over the line? Uh, no, I learned along the way. Those were like things I learned in my adult life, how to deceive men. Um, when I was 12, um, no, when I was 12, I did. I had a boyfriend. Uh, his name was Michael. I thought that was cool because wow. my name's Michelle and they were quite similar. And I'm a narcissist apparently. Um, but he was really cool. He was 13. Um I used to was talk this to, to like him. Tell- I was too old. I was too old to have this in my head. Was no, I never, like- I never told anyone until now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. mm, it was just in my Bo- head. Book cheats uh, mm. is not just about cheating on mm. your book. It's not just about Helen Hunt facts. Mm. It's also about your friend making deeply troubling revelations <laughs> while you're trying to be funny on microphone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about that later, bitch. <laughs> Because when I was in year six, it was when I was in year six. Again, I'm aware, too old to be having imaginary friends. But a lot of girls in my year level started dating. And I use Mm. that term very loosely. The boys from year six from the boys school, because I went to a girls school and they would start. And the boys never talked to me because I didn't know how to talk to them. Mm. So I made up one in my head. Mm. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm not very political. I don't have a lot of opinions I'll put out there. I'm not crazy about single gender schools. Mm. And this is um, why this conversation isn't helping that position. <laughs> no, this is <laughs> a really, really. If you ever want to, if your parents are ever like, we're going to send you to a single sex school, play them this soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> I was 12. That is honestly about seven years too too old. To have imaginary friends. He wasn't even an imaginary friend. He was an imaginary boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just in this, put that out there. Well, in this, Cecily is 18 years old with an imaginary mm. fiancé. Yeah. Mm. And now he's come to life and she's not panicking at all. She's like, yeah, we're engaged. Sure. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Bit of, a, bit of a plot hole. <clears throat> yeah. But I can almost guarantee you that Cecily went to a a private girls' school in the northern suburbs. <laughs> yeah, she went to... <laughs> she went to... <laughs> <laughs> Cecily, really, I always picked Cecily as an MLC girl. <laughs> well, maybe. But from my experience, she went to my old school. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cecily says... <clears throat> pardon me. You must... <clears throat> I'm losing my voice here. <laughs> no, that's, okay. that's all right. While you cough, I'll fill in with some more Helen Hunt facts. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm just going to have a sip of water here. 
Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Um, so as we all know, uh, Helen Hunt, she is uh, currently living in California and she was born this day in 1963. Um, mm-hmm. She rose to fame portraying Jamie Buckman in the sitcom Mad About You, which ran from 1992 to 1999 and then has also been running this previous year, back by popular demand. <clears throat> she won three Golden Globe Awards for Best Actress in a Television Series Musical Comedy. Wow. And she's also won four Emmy Awards uh, for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series. I have series. to be very clear. I'm sorry to interrupt, Mish. I have to be very clear. Dave had his uh, drink of water very early on in that fact. <laughs> that was not Mish filling for Dave most of just- us. Gullen water, gullen leaders. Yeah, I just, I just drank of an entire Hoping. thing over here. <laughs> Most of those facts was not Mish Fillin. That was just her love of Helen, Helen Hunt. Hunt. Happy birthday, Helen. On we love Helen. Helen here on the book cheats. <laughs> book cheats, theatre edition. I'm really excited to, to make a spin-off with you um, called Theatre Cheats. Oh, I love it. <laughs> this is... This is the, uh, what's this? The internal Mm. pilot. You know how they used to do like CSI New York started by CSI Miami people going to New York. Mm. This is our um, internal pilot for CSI (laughs) theatre cheats. And we'll open, we'll open every episode with a Helen Hunt fact. It's, it's everything you'd love about book cheats, but there's two fuckheads derailing it for four hours. (laughs) Every episode, is, every episode is twice as long as just seeing the actual play. <laughs> don't worry. If you, if you don't have the time to read the play, we've got the best thing you can do is listen to Mish talk about Helen Hunt and Zach talk about AI for four hours. Yes, there are movie adaptations of this play. You can watch the 2002 film starring Reese Witherspoon, Judy Dench, and Rupert Everett. But instead, you can listen to us talking about Helen Hunt for four hours. Four hours. <laughs> Very good. I'm going to have another. Right, what you got for us, Dave? Another, Let's go. I'm have another try at reading this quote. So Cecily says, after selling, telling him, I've been writing letters to, to myself from you for three months. We're engaged already. Cecily says, You must not laugh at me, darling, but it had always been a girlish dream of mine to love someone whose name was Ernest. There is something oh, no. in that name that seemed to inspire absolute confidence. I pity any poor oh, married no. woman whose husband is not called Ernest. To which Algernon says, But my dear child, do you mean to say you could not love me if I had some other name? Cecily says, but what name? Elgie says, oh, any name, like Algernon, for instance. She no. says, but I don't like the name of Algernon. And oh dear, it's happened again. Another girl who will only love someone called Ernest. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? No, I no. can't. But it's funny. It's funny. It's a farce. It's a funny. <laughs> it's very, very. It's very funny. It was funny. So Elgie goes off to find the local reverend to see if he too can change his name to Ernest. Meanwhile, Gwendolyn, the fiance of Jack, arrives. She meets Cecily, the young adoptee in the garden. The two have no idea who the other is, and they start out very friendly. It's a very nice conversation, saying, "Oh yes, I, as soon as I saw you, I knew we'd get along." But when they mm-hmm. discover that they are both engaged to a man named Ernest, they fall out very quickly. Of course, not knowing that they are both talking about different men, neither of whom is actually called Ernest. Just when it gets really mm. heated between the two women, Jack and Algie both arrive, 
having made appointments with the Reverend to be christened later that day so they can change their names to Ernest and satisfy their lovers. The two women realise that they are in fact engaged to different men and they instantly stop being enemies. Cecily tells Gwendolyn that her fiancé is really named Jack and Gwendolyn informs Cecily that hers is really named Algernon. Isn't that remarkable though when they thought that it was the same guy? Rather than being mad at the guy, they got mad at each other. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Just thought that was worth noting. Um, I didn't notice anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that was well, just a little joke about... Um, I, I did. That's no good. You notice? You notice? <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I thought it was a bit odd. I was like, this is a bit odd. But I didn't know what it was that was odd. <laughs> I just know that... It, let's just say hypothetically I was engaged to somebody. Mm. And then I found out that they were engaged, also engaged to say Susan... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be pissy with Susan because my fian- my fake fiancé named Michael that <laughs> I created when I was 12. Have you guys been engaged for like ages now? Well, we've been dating since I was 12. You'd think it's time. You just won't fucking pop the question. It's just um, a- I'm not going to be pissy with Susan. I'm pissy with Michael. It's actually, there was an episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills that I watched uh, last night. <laughs> Um, which is our generation's importance of being earnest. Oh, yeah, you're laughing at that. That was a really good connection there, Zach. Thank you. <laughs> where where um, uh, one of the housewives, she, she, she said her husband was dancing provocatively with Kelsey Grammer's wife, and um, she said to the camera in her interview segment, she said, I'm not, I don't, uh, uh, it's, it's not that I don't trust my husband. I trust my husband. I don't trust other women. Mm. And then my partner was watching and she looked at me and she said, that means she doesn't trust her husband. <laughs> <laughs> it, that means she doesn't trust her husband. Yeah. Um, 100%. But it's good to know that, um, like, you know, that's a play from 1895, Mish. Um, mm. But if you watch something like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, don't worry. In a hundred years, we've come nowhere. Great. Great. <laughs> that gives me a lot of hope. No progress. Love that. Go on, Dave. So, we've got our two women here who now realise they're engaged to different men. Neither of whom is called Ernest. They both want to know where Jack's real brother Ernest is, as they are both engaged to him. In their minds, Uh they're engaged to the name, not the man. Jack Mm -hmm. has to come clean and admit that there never really was an Ernest. The two women, Cecily and Gwendolyn, both now very much on the same side, retire inside arm in arm, agreeing that men are cowardly. End of Act 2. Very good. Well, that's a good one, Mish. I liked that. That picked it back up. Hey, team. Just Dave here telling you that this week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Now, you've probably heard me talk about Audible on the show before, and that's because I really think they're great. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs. You've got news, business, self-development every month, Members get one credit to pick any new title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection. And honestly, there is something on there for everyone. No matter what you go, if you want to get fit, finish more books, become a better parent, become a better leader, or maybe just a better person, or just want to have some fun, distract yourself from this world, Audible has got you covered. And I'm going to make a recommendation this month, and it is, of course, the dramatized version of The Importance of Being Earnest. If you want to hear this full play with a full cast, Recorded live at LA Theatre Works, Audible have an exclusive audio performance. I've got to tell you, seeing a play or hearing a play 
really brings the work to life. So if you want to hear a live version of the importance of being earnest on Audible, you'll be able to listen along and, and hear the audience going, oh, oh, yes, very good, very good, I get that. And you'll be able to sit in your own living room or in the car or at the gym and go, yeah, I also get that. So if you want to get started with Audible right now, why don't you visit audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. One more time, go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Get started with Audible today. Okay, back to the show. So yeah, Thank setting you. it all up for the final showdown of Act 3. I Qua. am so excited. Which takes place inside the drawing room of the manor house. The two men are quizzed by their fiancés as to their deception, and Algernon admits he only pretended to be Ernest to meet Cecily. Jack also hints at the fact that he only invented his brother so he could come into London, have an excuse to see Gwendolyn. The two women are still concerned about the name. They love the name Ernest for some reason, but when the men admit that they both have appointments with the Reverend to be christened under the name Ernest and change their name, the ladies seem satisfied and both couples reunite. Okay, because that was the core issue. That was the core issue there. (laughs) Wasn't the deception or the catfishing. I don't care about the lying or the, the, um, the cheating or the potential affair. What I care about is your name. They're obsessed with the name for some reason. But, I mean, yeah, it's a lovely name, Ernest. You don't hear that enough mm. anymore, Ernest. No, no it's but not. But do, do you think, though, that if there is someone named Ernest nowadays, that they, like, when like you study the importance of being Ernest in school or something, they get a bit cocky about it. They're like, yeah, well, that's my name. Like, I remember when Bootylicious by the Destiny's Child, by the Destiny's <laughs> Child, I'm 32. Great act, great By act. Destiny's Child came out and it was like, Kelly... Can you handle this? Beyonce, can you handle this? Michelle, can you handle this? I, at every party, I was so cocky. You were like, because that's yeah. my Michelle. name. Yeah, that's me. And then were you also me. Were you also absolutely stoked when Michelle got half a verse post the bridge and then Beyonce came back in and started singing <laughs> yes. over the top of it? Absolutely. It was a, it was a good day. <laughs> It was a good day for me when I heard that song. Poor Michelle. She got nothing. Yeah, I know. She got nothing. Honestly. Honestly, I'm sure she's probably quite happy though. Personally, like, my favorite think... member, my favorite member of the of the Destiny's Child. Did you see the uh, Beyonce Knowles uh, Coachella performance? I actually did not. So it's amazing. It's one of the best live performances I've ever seen. One of the best like filmed concerts. It's incredible. I just mm. happened across it on Twitter when it was going out live from Coachella, and I was like, oh my god! And then um, and then she built a film around it on Netflix. But there's a bit where Destiny's Child, like, just come in and then they just do this, like, mashup of Destiny's Child songs. And I was like, yeah, Michelle's having a great time. Like, no pressure. Mm. Like, just her presence is, like, is the thrill. Yeah, (laughs) she's got Destiny's Child to her name, but she can still go down to Woolies and probably not get bothered. (laughs) Honestly, she could, couldn't she? Yeah, it's a great level of fame, really. Yeah, she's, man, she's like, certainly she's certainly still making money off her Destiny's Child years. Yeah, yeah. And she can still, if she needs to go, you know, oh fuck, I'm out of socks, got to go down to Kmart. She can go, and she'll be right. <laughs> the thing about Beyonce is, so that's like Kelly can just go down to the shops. Beyonce has to ask one of the many staff yeah. she can afford to do it for her. Poor Beyonce. <laughs> it's Poor hard. Beyonce, man. it's hard. That's tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, it really is. All right. Do you know what's also really hard? What? Uh, when Helen Hunt married her second partner, she, she took on a stepson. 
Wow. Good yeah. for her. Um, which is pretty cool. And then she also had her own child as well, uh, or I shouldn't say her own child, because I'm sure she feels like her stepson is her but child. But did she have friends um, asking about when her good-looking stepson was going to turn 18? Was there anyone sniffing around? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Algernon. I don't know. That's the Algernon. <laughs> I'll have to get back to you on that one, Dave. That particular fact isn't on her wiki page. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you're doing a, deep, a real deep dive then. Yeah, it's a real big one. Just rolled, just scrolled all the way down to personal life oh, and oh, opened up that paragraph. That tab. I'm so, I'm sorely yeah. disappointed when someone love that tab. when someone doesn't have that is the best wiki tab. Personal someone, life when you sometimes see people that don't have one. personal life and it's inter, interspersed throughout the other article, other paragraphs. So you have I to don't find, have time you for search that. for that shit. Do they have a brother no. or sister? Do they have kids? Yeah. Has there been any controversies? Have they ever been to jail? Fuck oh, off! Yeah, just just give me a personal whack life. Whack it under personal life. Two paragraphs. Thank you very much. I know all I need to know. About about you know absolutely Trent Reznor or it's something it's almost like it's almost like Dave you have a podcast based on a lot of research that you need to do that's right and you've just given away some of your secrets yeah thank you uh, do go on is but- sorely uh, <laughs> sorely based around personal life tabs <laughs> got it <laughs> love a personal life love it Alright, we've got to wrap this bad boy up here. So they've reunited, but then enter Lady Bracknell, our razor tongued lady from the first act. She's got that sharp tongue out. Auntie of Algie, mother of Gwendolyn, opposer of Jack being her son in law. Remember, she doesn't want Jack to marry Gwendolyn. She's mm-hmm. still not a huge fan of Jack and continues to refuse the marriage when she turns up. Algie steps forward and says, Auntie, I'm engaged to Cecily here. And again, Lady Bracknell is not very impressed with Cecily. No. Mm. She's not stoked about that. Le- no, Bracknell's, Bracknell's not happy here. Mm. She's not happy. She's not having if you're, if you're If you're listening, I wanted to say, like, to give you context about what it's like when Bracknell enters, when you see the show live... Uh, Bracknell is like, I wanted to say, it's like when Kramer comes in and everyone cheers. <laughs> and then I realised that in my effort to make a contemporary reference, <laughs> in order to update this 110-year-old reference, I've gone for a 20-year-old <laughs> reference. <laughs> I got nothing else, guys. I'm sorry. I don't, yeah, I don't know if there has been anything since it's quite like <laughs> So, this is like when uh, Lady. V- this is when like Lisa Vanderpump enters. Yeah. Bracknell is like the Lisa Vanderpump, who is of course a character in Beverly Hills, the Real Housewives of Beverly yes. Hills. <laughs> Which is the one that sort of ab- is the modern day. The importance of being thank honest. you one hundred percent. So Lady Bracknell, she's not impressed that her, her nephew is going to marry this Cecily, and she's about to leave when Jack reveals that Cecily is in fact due to inherit. A hundred and thirty thousand pounds. Lady Bracknell mm. does a comical, complete turnaround. She says, "A hundred and thirty thousand pounds." Miss Cardew seems to be a most attractive young lady. Now that I look at her, sort oh, of sending. Yeah, nah. She's talking about the yeah, money. Sending, there. <laughs> sending up the <laughs> Venus. Funny. Yeah, love yeah. that. So now she's on board with her nephew marrying this extremely wealthy young woman. But Jack points out that as her guardian, he will not give permission for Cecily to marry Algie unless Lady Bracknell gives her consent to Gwendolyn to marry him. She refuses, Ooh. and then it's a standoff oh, between the two of them. Mm. That's good. That's, That's really good. good. That's smart, man. That's a smart move. It's, it's a good play from Wild. The Reverend. Can I just check? It's £130,000? Yeah, in 1895. Yeah. 
What are we talking? I'm just doing a quick. I'm just. I just got pulled up my phone. You keep talking, but I'm just doing a quick uh, convert, seeing what okay, that's worth that. now. Right. Just for context, I think that helps. That always helps. No, that me helps me, and I always helps me also if it, if I know if that's similar or more than Helen Hunt's net worth, for example. Mm, I'll see if mm. I can pull you that can up, pull Dave. That you keep talking. You get through Act Three. That's great. That's great. So we can finish with a couple of facts there, just so we know yeah. how much money that is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, the Reverend arrives. <laughs> Reverend Cannon. He's booked into christen both men and change their names to Ernest. And he mentions, just happens to mention. Gwendolyn's governess, Miss Prism, that we met earlier in Act 2. The name of Prism mm. really piques the interest of Lady Bracknell, and she asks that Miss Prism be sent in. Uh-oh. Miss Prism enters, and Lady Bracknell recognises her straight away as a woman who 28 years earlier, when working for Lady Bracknell's family as a maid, had taken a baby boy in a pram for a walk and then never returned. Just disappeared with the baby. Oh, Miss Prism okay. is quizzed about the whereabouts of the baby and admits that she doesn't even know where it is. She explains, I prepared as usual to take the baby out in its, in its perambulator. I had also with me somewhat a somewhat old but capacious handbag in which Uh-oh. I had intended mm. to place the manuscript of a work of fiction that I'd written during a few unoccupied hours. In, I think we all know where this is going. In a moment of my yeah. mental ab- abstraction for which I can never forgive myself. I deposited the manuscript in the bassinet and placed the baby in the handbag. Is that ringing mm. any bells here? Mm? Yeah, yeah, so a It handbag. reminds me of that time that I accidentally mistook a baby for a book. <laughs> and put it in a handbag. And put it in a handbag. It reminds me of that time that I read a baby and put a baby on a bookshelf. <laughs> it's kind of similar to that. Also, Did you actually a- do according- that, <laughs> Um because yeah. that's really full Whoa. on if you actually did that. Yeah. Do you want me to cut that bit out? Yeah, can you make a timestamp <laughs> yeah, and cut that? <laughs> Great. Um, so according to celebritynetworth.com, oh, wow. which I'm sure is a very, uh, you know, accurate That's website. one of my favourite websites. It's a very good one. Uh, Helen Hunt's net worth is $75 million. Whoa! So this Whoa. money came mostly from uh, her Mad About You Era because that was an incredibly popular show in the nineties, yeah, uh, and she was earning one million dollars per episode. Wow, wow, yep. that's all. I mean, um, but like, is that more or less than one hundred and thirty thousand pounds in eighteen ninety five? That's my question. I don't know if anyone can answer. Well, agree? well let me tell you, uh, I went into a converter thing. I, I found out what one hundred thirty thousand pound is worth uh, today in pound. I then went to the converter uh, app. And uh, have converted that pound amount to USD okay, great. because I thought that would great. correlate. Um, but you know what? I think I'm going to save it <laughs> till the end of <laughs> the story as a little surprise, a little uh, a little nugget to hold on to. As as you listen, you have a think: Is Helen Hunt worth more? <laughs> Than Cecily's inheritance. I'm going to guess that Helen Hunt is worth more. That's my guess as well. I mean, if Cecily Cecily had played the lead role in Mad About You, Mm. then things might be a bit different. But Helen Hunt did Twister. Helen Hunt did uh, Mad About You. Mad About You. She did Um, AI. She she played AI. AI. Yep. (laughs) Cecily didn't do any of those things. No. So based on those facts, no. I think 
Helen Hunt is worth more it, than Cecily. Oh, I'd be offended. In the late I'd be offended for Helen if she's worth less than Cecily. Yeah, same. Helen made some poor ma- like choices, contractual choices. If Mish, she's worth can less. you find out how many episodes were in the last season of Mad About You? Absolutely, I can. And we're going to cook up. We're going to cook up a great reveal here. Oh, this is good stuff. In, this in is the last season of Mad oh, About wow. You. So the one last... that was cu- the one that was made. In... No, the one where she would have made a million per episode. Okay, cool. Okay, but Go on, uh, I'm excited. All right, well, there's a reveal here as well, guys. I don't know if you know, but we're building right. to a reveal in the importance of being I can't honest. Remember. Mm. Oh yes, I can. Because Miss Prism. The one that put a baby in a handbag and then accidentally mm-hmm. a novel inside the bassinet. She's asked what she did with the handbag and she admits she left it in the cloakroom at Victoria Station, specifically <gasps> on the Brighton line. Far out, Brussels oh, sprout. Wow. Which was mentioned earlier in the play. Jack runs inside yeah. and returns with a large handbag and asks if it's the same one. She ex- examines it. It's got her initials. She confirms it is the handbag. He embraces Miss Prism and calls her mother. Aww. So a big moment. But that's big. That's beautiful. Miss Prism tells Jack that she's not his mother, and Lady Bracknell admits that the baby went missing was from her household. She reveals, You are the son of my poor sister, Mrs. Moncrief, and consequently, Bam. you are Algernon's elder brother. So Jack and Algernon have been brothers all along. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Big reveal. Jack asks if he had a name before he went missing, if he was ever christened. And Bracknell, Lady Bracknell, can recall that he was named after his father but cannot recall her sister's husband's name. Love Which this. is a slap yeah. in the face to your sister's husband. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people that are just, like, fully fucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. Honestly, though, truthfully. (laughs) (laughs) So they know he's a military man, so they decide to look up his name in the military records. He was a general. They discover they're on wiki, they're on wikipedia.org. They discover that Jack's real name, like his father, was, of course, at birth, Ernest. Mic drop. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Gwendolyn is excited that he was and always has been an earnest all along and forgives him and they embrace. In, f- That's in nice. fact, the play ends with everyone embracing. Algernon and Cecily get together. Even Reverend Cannon and Miss Prism, they, for some reason, they shack up together and they start hugging as well. Yeah, that's yeah. great. The only one I get that though. The only one not embracing is Lady Bracknell, who says to Jack, her now confirmed nephew slash future son-in-law, which is a little bit weird because he's going to marry his first cousin. Lady, Bra- oh, yes. Lady Bracknell says, "My nephew, you seem to be displaying signs of triviality." To which Jack mm. says, and this is the final line of the play: "On the contrary, Aunt Augusta, I've now realised for the first time in my life the vital importance." Of being, of being earnest. E-A-R-N-E-S-T. The curtain falls, the play finishes. Very well done, Dave. You got there. Thank you so much. Very good. And every time good. I think of this play, I think of my poor friend Dom, who did this play as part of the student theatre at my university and played mm. the character of Jack. And for the last line, instead of saying... I now realise for the first time in my life the vital importance oh. of being earnest. He said the wrong name. He said... What did he say? He said the other name, Jack, and then had to say, That's... I know for the first time in my life the vital importance of being Jack. I mean, earnest. 
That is That's very good. The funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. No, I know. Oh, and, then, so and then for me, what I love is like when you when you're when you're like a bit more when it's your job when you're sort of a professional performer or comedian you would know this you beat yourself up over like the smallest things you go like you get off stage and you go oh, I didn't get them I had them and then they weren't laughing as much as I wanted them to. <laughs> And then to think that in like at in like somewhere at some university a student is messing up that line oh. and his castmates are saying, No, it's fine, it still worked. <laughs> that poor guy. Your That's poor so mate. Funny. I guarantee you, even if he's still not in theatre or if he's still not performing, oh. he thinks of that often. Oh. <laughs> He thinks of that all the time. That's the funniest thing ever. Um, I'd like to add something, if I may. Okay. Oh, please, Michelle. Which okay. Up? So, um, I don't feel like I've talked enough in this podcast. Um, so, I know um, you guys were kind of giving me a bit of shit about mm. the Helen Hunt stuff. I'm almost certain that your listeners are like, why does this stupid... <laughs> Uh, the stupid person that Dave's gotten on keep talking about Helen Hunt. There is a connection between the importance of being earnest. No, written by Oscar Wilde. No, and Helen Hunt. What? And Mish, let me let me tell you. Is Hel- it? I have a gut feeling she's been in a in an adaptation of one of his plays. Well, if she has, then I didn't research hard <laughs> enough. No, no, that's good. That's good. So, I, I just I just listen- was taking a punt there because if I had said that and I was right. I would have seemed very smart. But now no. it was a little mistake. Um, and if you are right, I hope I never find out after doing what took me too long to do. Mm. Um, Helen Hunt, she was in a movie called As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson. Oh, yeah, yeah. fantastic film. Jack Nicholson was in The Departed with yeah. Matt Damon. Fantastic film. Matt Damon was in Goodwill Hunting with Robin Williams. Pretty good film. Okay, yeah. Robin Williams was in Hook with Julia yeah. Roberts. Fantastic film. Julia yeah, right. Roberts was in My Best Friend's Wedding. With Rupert Everett. Yeah. Rupert Everett. Yeah. Was in the importance of being Oh, honest. my God. Another mic drop moment. I didn't think we'd have two. Mish. Thank you. Two in one podcast, but we've got it. Thank you. Zach. I, I, I hate to do this to you, Don't I'm do so it. sorry. I was, don't do it, man. Helen Mirren. No, no, it's not what I was saying. Helen Mirren. No, Helen Hunt <laughs> was in um, the Pay It Forward with Hayley Joel Osment. Yeah. Hayley Joel Osment. Was in AI with Francis O'Connor, yeah. who was in The Importance of Being <laughs> Earnest. That's why we made this mistake. Was a set of licks. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was the very set of licks. <laughs> but I think what's most important mm. is that I reminded everyone that Robin Williams was in Hook with Julia Roberts. Wow. And Julia Roberts hated that experience. She hated really it. She's time. never worked with Steven Spielberg since. But I reckon we save like those facts for the next time Dave asks us on his podcast. Wow. <laughs> well, the next time I do a play, I'll be... Unless you guys do... Are you sick of doing plays? Or do you prefer to do a novel next time? No, I love a play. No, I love the plays. It's kind of our thing. Yes, I love, I love your insight. I love your insight. And before we wrap it up, Zach, do you have another moment? I have 
the clarity. So, Mish, how many episodes are in the final season of uh, Mad About You? Okay, so to clarify, there are eight seasons of Mad About You. The mm. most recent and eighth season came out in 2019. But what okay. we can be sure of is that in 1998, when it was season seven, she was mm. making a million per episode. Whoa. Okay. And this is, again, based on the highly reliable source, celebrityincome.com or whatever it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, season seven, uh, 1998, there were 22 episodes. So we can assume that that year, based on that show alone, she made $22 million. That's big money. So here is my question. <laughs> Not including agent fees and management fees and lawyer fees, let's just assume that $22 million was the amount she made. Mm-hmm. Do you think in one season of Mad About You... Helen Hunt made more than Cecily made from her parents dying. I think Cecily made more or has, has more money than the 22 I've got million. Helen's back. Nah, you got I'm, Helen's I'm back? I'm Helen's girl and I think Helen made more money than Cecily. Okay. I'm going to say one thing. I'm going to say always believe in Helen Hunt <laughs> because... Uh, 130,000 pounds in 1895 converts to 17,206 pounds in uh, 2020, which converts to, and this is a tight one, in uh, the United States dollar USD, (laughs) 21,575,383. Helen! Helen, you did it. Wow. Birthday, Happy Helen. Birth- wow. <laughs> a third mic drop moment. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Wowee. You could build that narrative. You could make an, a, a modern day importance of being earnest where someone is catfishing Helen Hunt <laughs> and then someone goes, wait a second, Helen Hunt made how much? Mm. And and it would have more impact because yeah. it would be more money by half a million dollars. Yeah, Dave. Dave, there's just one thing I want to say to you after having us on your podcast now, and that's your welcome. Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank, I, I feel uh, absolutely honoured, privileged. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of our best work uh, <laughs> came out tonight. Um, just yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. I you're- know it means a, I know it means a lot to you to have your job challenged like this. Thank you very very much, <laughs> and I, I hope you feel I rose to the occasion in some ways. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. You did a fantastic job. You've got something really good here on your hands, man. Thank you. Thank you. So <laughs> Keep at it. <laughs> One day, you too might have a podcast as successful as Recaps with Mitch and Zach. (laughs) Or our secret new project. Follow us at Mitch and Zach on Instagram to find out more. That is so exciting. It's going to be great. In all seriousness, though, Dave, thank you so much for having us. In all seriousness, thank you so much for being on here. The only thing left to do at the end of the show is I get the guests to score the the play or the novel out of five. Mm-hmm. Oh, so and you, out of five, and you can base it on like what you've what you know about the play personally, or what what you heard tonight, or anything. Um, yep, removing some of the problematic elements, I give it four point five Helen Hunt dollars. Oh wow, out of five, <laughs> Helen Hunt dollars. I like yeah. that. <laughs> That'll um, be the new scale, and next week people will be very confused. <laughs> How many Helen Hunt dollars <laughs> would you give this novel? Uh, what? Um, I give <laughs> I give. Uh, uh, out of five Helen Hunt yes. dollars, I give <laughs> which this... she can spare. Oh, for sure, we know that. Wow. She can spare. She's loaded. Yeah, 
it's hard to say like right now like if i wanted to watch a comedy i would sooner watch like uh you know like mad about you i don't know mad about you (laughs) (laughs) but you know in terms of what it is and what it was and what it's doing i give it four four point seven nine holland hunt dollars wow keep the change what about Keep you, the Dave? Change. I'm going to give it a four out of five Helen Hunt dollars. So it's, yeah. we've all gone above four. So that's pretty good. Yeah. That's it's a very good. good show. It's very, very well written. The only bit that's a bit clunky is that um, crazy Ces- Cecily yeah, the with letters her crazy... I was reading that going, what? Yeah. every I remembered it. When you said it, I was like, I remember every time I've been like, oh, that just needed like could have just, one more draft. She just could have just accepted the proposal and been like, yeah. I've heard a lot about. Yeah. I've heard a lot about you through my or, uncle. You seem interesting. Like you're a bit of a bad boy. I'm, I'm, I'll marry you. And that that's the that's the only thing the plot needed was her to say yes to the proposal. Or she mm. could have been sending him letters and he'd never responded. And like th- she'd asked him to propose right. or something yeah. like I've that. Act- like yeah, she's mm. like, actually, I asked you three months ago. Of course, I'm going to marry you. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's that's. Uh, well, you know, if you're listening, Oscar, <laughs> consider that. Huh? Oh no, he's not. Zach, um, he's not listening. He's dead. Oh right, what? right. He yeah. he was horribly prejudiced against because yeah. the times were awful back then. Oh dear. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Still I've now. actually been to his uh gravestone in France. Oh, did you kiss wow. it? There you go. Uh no, but the girl I was with, uh travelling with at the time, she did. She loved it. Really? Because yeah, I've also would've. been um, there I but didn't... I did not want to put my lips on those other No, because you look at it and it's filth. There's like piss all over it. <laughs> And well, like I did piss, piss and, sorry, li- piss and I, lipstick. I did piss on it. I can confirm. I did out of respect. <laughs> okay. I pissed well, when on it. I went, Dave's piss was all over it and a whole bunch of lipstick. So no, I didn't put it to my mouth. I was mouth, trying to piss off but the I, lipstick. I, I, didn't work. Yeah, I did get not it. work. Um, but I did see his uh, bloody gravestone. Yeah, great. That's great. I saw Shakespeare's house. Whatever. <laughs> did you piss on it? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I just walked around and I was like, this is where his bedroom probably was if this was probably... This was probably his house. <laughs> now, here is probably his kitchen, probably. I have to say that for legal reasons. <laughs> he probably lived here when he was 10. This is probably maybe his bedroom, probably. <laughs> oh, good times. Well, uh, do, you, do you have any other, anything else to say about the play? I did enjoy, I must say, like, it is... Like it's it is like as you said, Zach. It is a cool plot. Like the fact that there's you know the two yeah. of them and they both have the same problem with the name. <clears throat> it feels like one of those Shakespearean things where you just have to sort of like one of his comedies where you have to sort of suspend belief for a little while as to like you know there's two cute mm. characters that look alike all, all along and you know stuff like that. It's it's mm. the thing about farces that I love is like is it's just that idea of like setting it all up. It's it's the game is like mm. like. For most of the play, you're just setting stuff up yep. and then it's mm. like, and go. And it doesn't really matter if the setups aren't um, realistic, just so long as they're mm. clear. And then it's like, okay, it's- how is this going to all come undone? And I think when you're watching anything that's farcical, in all seriousness, you don't have to, you're not watching a documentary. Like, it's there to be enjoyed. So just accept some of the weirder elements. Yeah, you're not yelling at the screen, fact check, fact check. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, Check. well, that's exactly right. So once you kind of accept that, um, fast is great. Um, I'll also say on a genuine serious note, um, Oscar Wilde is obviously known for the plays that he's written, but he did write really good poetry as well, a lot of it from jail because um, he was in jail for oh, yes. being I think gay. One of his last things mm. was the Ballad of Reading Jail, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was in jail for two years 
for being gay. And he wrote really, really amazing poetry. And I know some of it was written while he spent time in jail. It's very sad. Yeah, very, it's very sad. Very tragic end. Died at mm, yeah. 45. Not, not a long life. Mm-mm. No. But the play is a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. And it, uh, it lives on and it is, it is one of the widely studied, widely performed sort of texts, mm. I imagine, because it is influential and fun, but also, and famous as a comedy, but also... You don't have to pay anyone because it's well out of copyright, so anyone can put it on, which is... Which is why every youth theatre group... Yeah, it's accessible. <laughs> ...across the universe has put it on. So if you want to see it, you'd be able to. Some local group yeah. is putting It'll it be on. on. Guaranteed. Or, or just just download it on your PlayStation Store. The 2002 film was sick. <laughs> exactly. Really well cast. Exactly. It's hard to go past a Rupert Everett and a... And uh, like that's he's great, eh? <laughs> Bloody good. Bloody good. So he's good. So good. <laughs> and if you don't want to watch that, just watch my best friend's wedding. Oh, he's great. Because he's in that. that too and he's really good. <laughs> Love Rupert Everett. Or pay it forward. Which is apparently great. <laughs> Starring it's Helen. Solid. Hunt. It's yeah. solid. I love Helen. Love you, Helen. Happy birthday. Love Helen. <laughs> Happy birthday, Helen. Happy birthday, Helen. <laughs> Is that the sign off? Happy, Happy birthday, birthday Helen. Helen. Well, yeah, that, that does bring us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for, for joining me. And um, do you have any idea as to when the podcast, the new idea, might be announced? Uh, soon. Great. So yes. it's next soon, couple of so weeks. Sooner rather than yeah. later. Fantastic. So we'll keep our eyes peeled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep our eyes peeled for the, on the Instagram account. Yeah, it's, there'll be another w- episode of Recaps released where we do a reunion that's set 10 years after MasterChef Australia Season 1 great. was released. So today it's released in 2020 um, and we'll explain a bit further what it is that we're going to do and then if you jump on our Instagram, the handle again is at MissionZach. Um, oh. There'll be some information that goes up there and it'll be within um, – yeah, it'll be it'll – be, it's, it's very soon. We, we kind of know what we're doing. <laughs> it's as niche of an idea – but we're we're more excited about it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. And um, do you have anything anything else you'd like to tell my listeners about Zach? You do the Auntie Donna podcast. Fantastic, silly stuff. Yeah, that's equally unlistenable as as we have made this episode. <laughs> oh, no, it's great. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and then I've got my uh, Instagram just at Zachary Ruane. Are you A-N-E? Fantastic. Uh, just uh, follow me for f- all the fun follow stuff. Follow you for fun stuff. And also we can follow you on the Auntie Dunner account the next few afternoons or nights reading the B-movie script. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Forgot about that. <laughs> Far out. And uh, how, how about you, Mish? If we want to follow you, where can we find you? Uh, Instagram is at Mish Whitrup. And I have a Twitter, but I honestly don't. I never use it except to maybe do a live tweet of MasterChef Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. My life is limited. I'll link to all that stuff in the description of this episode so it's easy for anyone to click on that stuff. But honestly, thank you so much for coming back. And talking theatre with you guys is always an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank, thank you, you so Dave. much, Dave. Thank so thank you. you very much. So until next time, I'll say thank you and books forever. And happy birthday, Helen Hunt, of course. Happy birthday, Helen Hey, book cheaters, just the book took Dave dropping in at the end of the episode to say thank you so much, first of all, for listening to this episode. It was an epic. Really appreciated uh, Zach and Mish giving up so much of their time. They are such fun people to uh, chat to. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to getting them back on future episodes. 
probably another play, but who knows? Maybe they'll come back for a novel. I'll have to get them back on when they uh, launch their brand new podcast, which I'm sure will be very soon. And uh, I've also got to thank a few people that support this show on Patreon. If you're not aware, this show is uh, in part supported by the people at Patreon at patreon.com slash pod specifically, because this is a spin-off of the Do Go On podcast, a podcast that I do about history with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. And uh, yeah, you'll be supporting this show as well as Do Go On and a couple of other shows now. We've got Primates on there, Listen Now, all sorts of good stuff. And uh, one of the rewards is you get three bonus episodes from uh, Matt, Jess and I every single month, including our brand new podcast, Phrasing the Bar, which is a Patreon exclusive where we uh, go through the films of Brendan Fraser, everyone's favorite favorite actor. Uh, we've got a new one coming out this week on his second film, and he shot straight to fame, Encino Man. We recorded the episode and it was a lot of fun. So if you get on Patreon, you can hear that this weekend, I believe it's coming out. And uh, one of the other things I like to do is I uh, thank people by name, for the kind support of the show, it means I can keep doing it every couple of weeks. I can buy the books, put aside time to write, record, edit, all that sort of stuff. And I truly, truly appreciate that. And uh, people tell me their favorite book. And as a way to thank them, I read out their name and read out their favorite book. Maybe giving you a tip for something you can check out soon. So I've got a few names to, to get through here. And uh, again, everyone supports the show. I truly appreciate But first of all, I've got to give a big shout out this week to Melissa Ferguson. Thanks so much, Melissa. Truly appreciate you. And your favorite book, you've told me, is probably Ender's Game. Because I haven't read much since high school. Lol. (laughs) Don't worry, Melissa. I've uh, got you covered. That's what we're here for. So yeah, thanks for supporting the show. Next up, I'd like to thank Sarah or Sarah. No H on the end. So it could be a Sarah, but it could be a Sarah as well. And I don't want to get it wrong. So I'm going to give both there. And in your mind, edit out the wrong one. Or edit out the right one and yell at me. Uh, Sarah or Sarah... Castaneda. Castaneda. If I got that wrong too, I'd be pretty stoked if I fucked them both up. Uh, Favourite book from Sarah or Sarah is The Taking by Dean Kuntz. I've never felt so creeped out and scared that I needed to cover my feet from the monsters under my bed from reading a book before this. It's so very eerie. There you go. Sometimes you just need a book to make you feel alive. That sounds like The Taking by Dean Kuntz has done that. So thanks, Sierra or Sarah. Tabitha Post is up next. Uh, thank you so much, Tabitha. Been supporting the shows for a long time now, and I appreciate that. Uh, Tabitha said, uh, I don't think I could settle on a favourite book. I know it is a tricky question, but she's written now. But one of my favourites is The Tragical History of Dr. Faustus by Christopher Marlowe, which is an early modern play. Yeah, that's a really old one. There you go. Uh, it's a tale of an overreaching academic who sells his soul to the devil in search of knowledge, only, only to be dragged down to hell. It's good fun. I reckon I'm going to try and get to that one day, Tabitha. love my classic plays, and I think that that could be a real contender. What do you reckon? If I do it, I'll dedicate it to you. So thank you, Tabitha. Matt Peters, thank you so much for supporting the show. Matt Peters has told me my favorite book is a series, the Wheel of Time series. There's 14 of them. Love a cheat, Matt. Now, I love cheating with books, and you've done well there. You've got 14 in your favorites. He goes on, I started reading in grade five because they had 1,000 pages, and I got extra marks for more reading. Grade 5. Are you actually 11 when you're doing that? Because that's how old you are here in Australia. Four read-throughs later. I'm still in love with them and planning read-through number 5 in 2020. Matt, I hope you're well through your journey now. Because you need... If they're all 1,000 pages. 14,000. Wow. Makes War and Peace look tiny. Cool. <laughs> right. Thanks, Matt. I wish you luck. Uh, Jessica has written in. No surname here, but you know who you are, Jessica. 
written. I have too many favorite books to choose from, so here are some of them from different genres. All right, I've, I've, uh, I've shortlisted your even shortlist because you gave me heaps, and I appreciate that. But Jessica said, if you're looking for children's lit, my favorite is The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. It's beautiful writing, and it's death narration. So special. You know what children's lit? What about fantasy? The Kill... The King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. It's the best... Man, I'm struggling with words tonight. It's the best high fantasy I've ever read with an extensive world building and realistic characters. There you go. Love it. And finally, sci-fi from Jessica. Red Rising, the series by Pierce Brown. For its operatic space story with assholes and no saints, but a lot of war theory and empathy. I reckon they should put that on the back. An operatic space story with assholes and no saints, but a lot of war theory... And empathy on you, Jessica. And finally, this week, I would like to thank Josh Curry or Curie. I reckon we've said your name out loud a few times on Do Go On, but have we ever got it right? I'm hedging my bets a lot this week. I'm losing confidence without Matt and Jess in the room when I read out your names. Uh, Josh Curie or Josh, Josh Curry. My favorite book is probably Oryx and Crake by Margaret Atwood. It's a story of a man slowly going mad in a post apocalyptic world, but we learn that he and his friends. Might have had more to do with it than he first led us to believe. Wow. That's really sucked me in. Josh, you sold that well. Uh, so thanks to everyone that supports the show on uh, Patreon. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash dogoonpod. You unlock those rewards, including 75 bonus episodes of Do Go On are up there right now that you can uh, sink your teeth into, if that's your kind of thing. We'll give you a shout-out on Do Go On. You get pre-sale to any live shows we ever do. Uh, you're in an f- exclusive Facebook group, which is a very, very nice corner of the internet. So uh, if you'd like to be involved in anything like that, just go to patreon.com slash dogoonpod and, uh, yeah, support the show. Uh, but that is the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. And again, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with uh, our next episode. But until then, I'll say thank you and books forever. All right. Bye now. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.